0: Just a quick note that the financial and business information you're going to hear in this episode is for informational purposes only. It is not to be relied upon to make any lending or business decisions as it does not consider your individual circumstances.
1: I'm very good at dreaming and I have a lot of dreams, but I really didn't know what to expect. I think I almost went into it a bit blindly going... I want to farm, I have no idea what I'm doing or how I'm going to do it, but this is what I want, so this is what I'm going to do.
0: Christine Miles has always wanted to be a farmer, ever since she was a teenager. Working on the land has always been her calling. But for a long time, the idea just sat at the back of her mind. Today she lives out in Hermiedale, a remote town in central western New South Wales. It's about three and a half thousand k's from where she was born.
1: So I grew up in Perth in WA, city girl actually, spent a lot of childhood holidaying in rural WA and loved the area, loved being out of the city and holidaying, driving around, uh, looking at the countryside, just sort of the freedom, that's where I wanted to spend the rest of my life, is out of a city. I suppose when we got to year 10 and had to decide what to do for work experience and There were so many different ideas out there and Mum tried to give me suggestions. I think as a kid, some of the drawings I'd done of ideas of what I wanted to do growing up included, you know, drawing little farms and caravan parks and campsites and things like that. But what I actually ended up doing for work experience was um, in the field of geology. So I stuck down... I guess, sort of a safe road, if you like, and went into mining. That got me out of the city, but it probably didn't quite get me where I wanted to be.
0: I'm Sam Loy, and you're listening to Propagate, a podcast devoted to young farmers and fishers. This season of the podcast is for aspiring farmers who aren't going to inherit a farm. We're exploring different pathways to ownership and chatting to farmers going their own way. Early on, Christine put farming into the too hard basket. She didn't come from a farming family and the challenges facing aspiring first-gen farmers had her spooked. She felt she had to choose between two career options, and she chose the other one, which happened to be mining.
1: Went to uni in Kalgoorlie and spent four years there. I went and did fly and fly out for quite a few years, and I hate flying, I hate travel.
0: Christine ended up in Cobar in New South Wales to take a residential job in mining. That's one where you live near the mine site rather than fly in, fly out.
1: You live in the town, a normal town with an IGA and post office and all that sort of things and yeah, just drive into work every day like a normal job in anywhere else, but a lot less people. I took that opportunity and yeah, it was only meant to be for three years and 10 years later I'm still there.
0: Once Christine got settled into life in the Central West, she started noticing something about the locals.
1: There's a lot of people that do both. People that mine, do mining for their week or two weeks on, so they get the money to go and do farming on their days off. It's not unusual to do 12 hours at work, knock off, go back to the farm and do another couple of hours. And that seems to be something people do. Suddenly
0: her dream of farming didn't seem so out of reach. It started to feel like something she could do as well as her career in mining. The fear that once held her back was now replaced with determination.
1: In my dream world growing up, I'd always imagined that in my 20s I'd get married and have kids and be out of mining that way. But when that didn't eventuate, I ended up looking at different ways of still getting my dream. So if I can't marry a farmer, I might as well buy a farm. I guess I knew mining wasn't going to be the thing I wanted to do forever. How could I get the life I wanted on my own? And it really started me thinking about what I wanted to do, how I wanted my future to look like and what I wanted to look like. And so I started looking at properties, so just looking in real estate agents' windows, searching online. I don't know if I really had a plan at that stage. It was, they were more just dreams. I wanted to do something different. I just wasn't really sure what I wanted to do.
0: Christine started approaching farmers in the community to see if they would be interested in a share farming agreement. She had some money saved up from a mining job and she was keen to build her skills on the land.
1: I had some other friends that were farmers in the region. They were looking for a financial partner and offered to help me get into farming that way. It's a bit more attractive to the banks if you have an off-farm income. Yes, they thought, oh, well, Christine's got an off-farm income and she wants to get into farming. Let's see if she'll be a financial partner. Uh, But that was looking at properties up in Queensland and just being a silent partner, which wasn't really what I was after. So I suppose farming is my exit plan for mining. It's what I want to do, it's where I want to be, and if I would just put money into a business, invest in someone else's business, that wouldn't really get me the hands-on skills. I need to one day run the farm myself.
0: Without a lot of this hands-on farming experience, Christine was struggling to find the share farming partnership that she had dreamed of, and so she realised she would likely need to buy her own farm. But she didn't know where to start.
1: One of the blokes I was working with, he really wanted to get into farming too. He didn't have the money or the opportunity to do that. He was working on someone else's farm on his days off just to get him out there. And um, we started talking, became good friends and spent quite a while looking for properties, uh, different properties. And then one came up nearby and then my friend said, hey, look, this is coming up, it's a good property and I... I've got an idea for a business plan. And I think that's what started the whole ball rolling.
0: Christine went to check out the property with her friend. At this stage, she'd been looking for months. And in that time, this friend had left mining and was now managing farms for a living.
1: The people he was working for, they were willing to lease the property off me if I bought it. So it kind of went, here's a farm. There's less than an hour from where you're working. Here are some people that will help you by giving you an income stream to start with so you don't have to have all the capital up front to go and buy stock and and do things. And it gave me an integration so I could see how the farm ran while not having as much of the financial stress about wondering where the income's going to go to pay for it.
0: The plan made sense to Christine and it offered some security for those first couple of years while she learned the ropes. Now all she needed to get started was the deposit.
1: Mining pays quite well and I've never been a big spender on on anything. I'd always been taught to save money and I'd bought a house in Perth when I was living there, doing the fly-in-fly-out and so I sold that property and that put down the deposit for the farm. It was getting the finance for the rest that was the challenge. Once I had an idea and a plan, it wasn't easy actually making it come true.
0: Christine had the money, but she still needed to be approved for a loan. And with no farming qualifications, banks were pretty wary of her.
1: I didn't really start talking to the banks till I had a property and I knew how much it was going to be. So I'd done the finances and a rough business plan before I started talking to the banks and asking for finance. Uh, So before I'd put in an offer, but after I knew how much money I was going to need. I just went to the banks and started talking to banks about it. Now, I knew I had 30-odd percent deposit and I had a good income stream coming in from off-farm income. I had a business plan that was going to generate farm income. But the banks, it didn't matter which bank, and that asked the same three questions. Different order, but the same three questions. Is it a hobby farm? Do you come from a farming background? And is your husband or partner a farmer? And so when you turn around and go, it's 8,000 acres, no farming background, and I'm single, it just, it became an uphill battle. But fortunately, I found a really good agribusiness manager who said, no, you've got a good plan. And they gave me the money. Obviously, farming is a risky business and making sure that people can pay back the money and that their investment is going to be sound. But they don't know me and they don't realise the drive and the tenacity I have and that I will make things work no matter what.
0: Christine says she's learned to be tough when people doubt her abilities.
1: You know, you're calling a supplier up and they're like, oh, if you've got any questions, just get your husband to call me. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's that's not going to happen. I think it just gives me more drive to succeed. just makes me want to do that little bit more to go, no, this is me and I can do it.
2: To get yourself started in agriculture at first can appear quite daunting, uh, but really it comes down to having a really strong work ethic, which in turn helps you generate income.
0: Throughout this series, we've been chatting to Brad Sewell, He gives advice to agricultural producers, particularly around their financial planning. Brad suggests starting the conversation with a bank early. When it comes time to apply for a loan, your application should prioritise quality over quantity.
2: So the information that young people should be bringing to the table is uh, what their legal trading entity name is, their ABN, their address, their age... Uh, where they basically live, a brief description of uh, the transaction that they wanted to take on, details of the security they want to provide, um, details of the cash flow or the income and expenses they think they're going to earn and spend, details of the property uh, that's going to be offered as security, uh, details of any um, uh, personal risk insurance like life insurance, etc., um, yeah, and just a, a, a general overall um, rundown of what the transaction entails. The two key things are security and cash flow. Uh, and then the third key thing is your management skills, so presenting yourself well. Um, if you're going in to see a bank manager in town, make sure you're reasonably well-dressed and not not straight out of the mud. Um, but if the bank manager's coming out to the farm, make sure your ute's clean and tidy if you're going to drive them around and not full of McDonald's wrappers and and stuff like that, because you're trying to make an impression. Everyone in life um, sets an impression, especially when you're trying to uh, get a bank to commit to, say, 65% of a purchase price. You're you're actually asking a bank to put a lot of money up on your behalf.
0: After Christine got approved for a loan, she signed the farm over to the interim leaseholders. Meanwhile, she stuck with her mining job.
1: I needed to build up my cash stocks so I could actually go and buy stock and, and do things myself. The rent they were paying covered the farm expenses mostly, so the, the interest repayments, the rates, things like that. And then I just started saving up from the mining work and putting that money aside, paying off a bit more of the loan where I could and setting myself up so I could take it over. It was good. They would let me help. I'd I'd go out on weekends, and if they were doing any stock work on the weekends, they'd invite me to come along and and help out. So I'd get used to landmarking and mustering. at harvest one year, they let me drive the chaser bin. Um, so I just got that taste, the taste for farming and what was going on, and started just observing and watching and asking questions. and Trying to figure out the seasons and the processes and how it all worked.
0: The property is eight thousand acres and it's a mixed farming operation of crops and livestock. The plan was for Christine to take over the farm after three years of leasing it out. So she had a lot to learn in a short period of time.
1: I needed someone to help me out. I, I still really didn't know what was I really didn't know what I was doing. As much as I'd learned, I still was very much in the dark and I was still working in mining for you 11, 12-hour days, five days a week and trying to even just make a phone call during business hours to sort out farm stuff was quite difficult.
0: Her friend, who originally helped her find the property, put his hand up to manage.
1: One of my early thoughts for how to get into farming was to help people who wanted to get into farming. And I said to him, instead of me paying you to manage the farm, how about I, you know, we make it as an actual formal business partnership and you start to get a bigger stake in the business. It was something that he wanted in terms of it, it made it worth his while. He eventually wants his own farm, his own property, and he needs to have enough financial reward from the work he's doing now to fund his dreams in the future. So he said, I want to go 50-50 on all the crop, all the livestock. And that worked for me because I suppose when you look at it, yes, you need, I need someone to manage my side things. I still have final say-so on anything, but someone to make the phone calls and to do the arrangements and to advise me. But by him having a 50% interest in the day-to-day activities and everything, go I know that my stock's going to be looked after to a good quality because it's his stock too. I think what's really important and what's helped me succeed now is not just my friend, but also the the whole community. We've got a really good community in Hermadale with the neighbours and we all band together. There are three off the top of my head that without them we wouldn't succeed. They lend us equipment. It's a lot of the barter system and that, that took a lot to get my head around. I do something for you, you do something for me. That's something that you never thought of going into farming that that would happen. It's I'm used to just being independent, standing on my own and having to do everything myself. Learning that you've got that community and that system where you can do something for someone else. They can borrow my spray rig and I can borrow their tractor. Something I never expected and something I'm extremely grateful for.
0: Things have been going well since you took over the farm. The freedom to get on the tractor and be on the land means she finally feels like a farmer. But she's still working in mining as an engineer to keep cash flow healthy, and this means sometimes spending weeks or months off the farm.
1: I'm working on about nine months of mining and three months of farming at the moment, but it's really difficult. We've got grass for the first time since 2016, and all I can see is photos. I don't actually get to be there to enjoy it. So I'm really grateful that... My friend, manager, business partner, he's, he's all rolled into one and he's really good at keeping me up to date with what's going on. So between him and his wife, I get messages daily telling me what's going on and I get phone calls and we talk through decisions. But it's not the same as being there and it's... Uh, yeah, I, I really just want to go home and, and sit on a tractor.
0: Now, Christine's working towards phasing out her mining so she can live her farming dream in full.
1: It's a struggle because I'd rather be farming, but I also know that I need the money. I was fortunate that the mining income got me through the drought. We fared a lot better than a lot of other people because I had that income stream. Even though I'd love to just jump straight in and spend you know, six months farming, six months mining, I've got to balance up, make sure we've got enough money to buy equipment that we need or hire equipment that we need to get us through the first couple of seasons. Plans for the future is to spend more time at the farm, to be there full time, get to know the full process, get a few crops under my belt, which would be helpful, and set myself up so that, that when my friend and his wife, they move on and they do their own thing, that I can run it on my own. I don't need to employ another manager or do anything else, that it will be my farm and I'll run it on my own.
0: Until then, the time she gets to spend on the farm is still when she feels the most happy.
1: I get to do a bit of everything. So between stock work and driving machinery, I've learnt to drive loaders, trucks, just little things like moving augers around or, you know, changing pumps and doing things. So all all the little jobs, but any time that I have to, you know, fix something mechanical and I do it on my own, it's just this little, this little joy that, you know, I can do it, I'm learning and even if it's not the best way to do something, I got the job done and I can keep going.
0: In the next episode of Propagate.
1: One day I was just browsing the real estate and saw this property at Yeoval. We had no intentions of moving I actually came out and had a look. It's 350 acres with an extremely run-down infrastructure and house. No one had been living in the house for 18 months and it had just newly come on the market. And I had a look at it and it was an absolute disgrace. It was a mess, absolute mess. The real estate agent said he'd brought previous people out and they just, they couldn't see any future in it.
0: But I could. Every episode of Season 3 is already available right now. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Propagate is brought to you by the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries Young Farmer Business Program. Thanks for listening.